0: what was said and done to trump supporters over the past six years has been unspeakable they accused us of wanting a dictatorship where we would imprison our political enemies actually it turned out that's what the democrats wanted they they accused us of being fascists but they're the ones who wanted the lockdown to lock down people in their homes and close their churches and make them lose their jobs and close their businesses they accused us of wanting to control people's bodies. Uh, they are the ones who forced this dead baby vaccine into our veins at the threat of losing your jobs or being kicked out of the military. They, they accused us of. They accused us of being Russian collaborators. They accused Donald Trump of being a of committing treason and colluding with, with Vladimir Putin to steal the 2016 election. They accused Brett Kavanaugh of running rape gangs in high school and Mark Judge of doing the same thing. They they accused Kyle Rittenhouse of first-degree murder. They, they accused the January 6th people of trying to destroy the Constitution. And in every case, it was the left and their Never Trump allies who were doing those things. And people like Jonah Goldberg, David French, Rob Dreher, Russell Moore, who claim to be conservatives, but they're such principled conservatives that they couldn't get down in the gutter with Donald Trump and his deplorable supporters. They were on board for almost all of these leftist attacks.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, He has a jar of peanut butter, and he's not afraid to use it. Here comes Eric Mataxi. Folks, welcome back. As you know, we're crazy on this show. We believe crazy things, like there are two genders. One plus one equals uh, two. Uh, The election was stolen. Trump actually won. Uh, We have evidence to back these things up, but in the crazy world in which we live, these beliefs are called crazy, and I want to own that. These are crazy beliefs that we cling to with our Bibles and our guns. And we're not the only ones. Uh, I, got, uh, I had the joy recently of finding out that a recording artist, Natasha Owens, has written a song called Trump One.
2: Darker shame. Darling dark ashamed. Thank you for all the joy. And
1: hey pain. folks, welcome to the program. Um, we try to have John's Merrick on every week. Yesterday, we only got a few minutes with him really, uh, and wanted to talk to him more today. So John, welcome back.: Thanks, Eric. Uh, you've got a number of articles at the stream. Do you want to talk about the ones you wrote about forgiveness? Yeah, I've got a
0: two-part series on Donald Trump and the meaning of forgiveness for Christian. Uh, Part one's called Trump needs to forgive those who wronged him, but they need to repent. And I've had this argument with people in the past, and it never really made sense to me. For instance, they say, well, you should forgive those who commit sins against you just the way you want God to forgive you. And I always said, but God only forgives me if I repent. So if my enemies repent, I will forgive them. That's what I expect from God. I hope for from God. And that's what they're going to get from me. And if they don't repent, I'm not forgiving them. Now, hold on. I got it. There's a little
1: theological correction here. I
0: know this is wrong, Eric. I'm laying out my mistaken position. Okay.
1: Well, I, I just want to make the theological point and you can react to it. Yeah. If somebody has died, uh, if your parents have died and they have gr- gravely wronged you, they don't have an opportunity uh, to repent, to tell you they're sorry. For your own soul, you forgive them. Forgiving doesn't mean well, that's mitigating the what they did. But like, I feel Eric, like that point has to be made.
0: Well, Eric, you're anticipating the rest of my article. Okay? I apologize. I, I was saying this was my position and it was mistaken. Okay, uh, I I came to realize forgiveness does not mean what popular culture presents it as. And I've seen movies where... Uh, This woman, a nun, is raped by violent assailants. And as a Christian, she forgives them and won't permit them to be prosecuted by the police. That's not forgiveness. And if that's what Jesus was asking from us, he would be nuts. And the Romans would have been right to crucify this nutcase. I want to say that again. If that were Christianity, it would be nonsense, okay? To say that a, a wife whose husband beats her has to go back and keep living with him and forgive him, even though he keeps on beating her. That's not Christianity. That's being a pinata. That's that's not what Jesus asked for from us. Uh, and again, if he did, it would be wrong and it would prove he wasn't the Messiah. What he asked for from us, what forgiveness means is to let go of the anger, to let go of the grudge, to let go of the hurt, not to be ruled by it, not to be governed by it, not to be tweeting about it seven years later, I say, thinking of Donald Trump. Uh, If you allow yourself to be ruled by these passions, that's how you end up with places like Sicily and Sardinia, where I have to avenge my grandfather's murder by killing his grandson, where grudges and vendettas can dominate an entire society. That kind—that is the kind of unforgiveness that we're not supposed to do. So, you, when you forgive someone, you're just letting go of the anger. You're not re- saying you're not reconciling. Okay, forgiveness does not mean reconciliation. Reconciliation is where forgive and forget. We embrace. We're friends again. We can be roommates again, even though you steal from me. We can be—I can live in the house with you, even though you beat me up all the time. No. Reconciliation is what—that's the difficult thing that may never happen this side of the grave. Okay, you don't reconcile with a sociopathic sex abuser. You don't reconcile with the gu- the guy who molested your child. You and, and in either case, you forgive him, but you still send him to prison if he needs to go to prison. It has absolutely no effect on what you do. In terms of achieving justice through the justice system, if you still should seek justice, and then if the person is repentant, well, that's for the parole board to
1: decide. And if John, he- I want to say this only because it's to me the classic case. We've mentioned this, I know, in previous conversations. John Paul II uh, was was the victim of an assassination attempt. A man tried to murder him and almost succeeded that man was put in jail john paul ii the pope went to visit him in jail and to pray with him and forgave him but he did not say let him out of jail that's right that is an important lesson for us folks because that man could have murdered other people there's a there's this thing called justice and and To forgive someone the way John Paul II did to pray with him, that's the Christian thing to do. But to to very sloppily conflate that with saying, we don't prosecute, we don't try to bring legal justice, that's wrong. And many Christians, as you've been saying, John, they don't understand that. We need
0: to understand that, folks. This is very, very, very important, practically. And politically, I think Donald Trump reconciled with enemies who he shouldn't have. He shouldn't have appointed Nikki Haley to the u n after she called him a racist repeatedly during the presidential race. He shouldn't have let Paul Ryan stay as Speaker of the House he Trump, I think, misunderstood forgiveness and uh, actually tried to reconcile with people who were his deadly enemies okay. and our enemies. I are think enemies. you're wrong.
1: I don't think it had anything to do with forgiveness in the case of, of, of Donald Trump. I thought it was pure pragmatism. He thought it would be the politically expedient thing to do. He did not realize what he was dealing with at the time. And, well, and I believe now he does understand what he's dealing with. So, so with Trump's second term would look very dramatically different. And people like you and me and others will hold his feet to the fire on all this stuff.
0: Yeah, okay. But there is a parallel. You don't want to reconcile with inveterate enemies. Correct. Reconciling with them is just stupid and self-defeating and unfair to innocent people you're supposed to protect. Too many Catholic bishops, when they had priests who molested children, the priests would go to confession and seem sincerely repentant. And the bishop would go, okay, I guess you get to be a priest again, and then they would go molest more kids. What they should have done was send them to prison where they belonged, but they misunderstood Christian forgiveness. So this is a really important distinction to make, because prematurely reconciling with a dangerous enemy is just as bad as refusing to forgive someone. It's equally bad that we Christians, we have certain virtues and we say, well, I guess since lust is bad, the opposite extreme must be great. No, the opposite extreme is usually another kind of sin. And that was the point of my book, the bad Catholics guide to the seven deadly sins. I applied Aristotle's ethics to the seven deadly sins, which Aquinas did and Dante did in the divine comedy. So I, again, you're looking for the golden mean, the via media, uh, which is forgiveness, but not premature false reconciliation. And I think it'd be good for Trump to learn some of these lessons because sometimes he shows unforgiveness. He's still tweeting angrily about things that happened a long time ago. That does him no benefit, and it actually kind of damages him politically. He shouldn't be doing that. Let go of that, but don't reconcile with people who are going to stab you in the back.
1: Well, I again, I was saying like I, I feel like he's learned this the, the hard way, that yeah, he, that I hope he so, kind yeah. of understands what was done to him, and he and to he, us and to all of us, to the country, um, I, I, I think he sees it now, but at the time, listen, uh, I would have been uh, on board with him uh, bringing in half of these people thinking this is going to be, you know, it's going to be harmony. We can all work together. He's the leader totally wrong we now know that they had it out for him or if they didn't specifically explicitly have it out for him they were happy to work with those
0: who did i think trump needs to force his daughter to divorce jared and marry steve bennett <laughs> let's work on that let's, let's write a, up a let's memo work, and we'll get it to them yeah yeah It'll be like one of those dynastic marriages in the Middle Ages oh where the Pope God. annuls this marriage and approves this one. Yeah. Uh, so, to me, this is incredibly important because I have trouble with forgiveness. And by mistaking forgiveness for reconciliation, it gave me a great reason to not not even forgive and still be angry at a bad landlord 10 years later. Um, no, you need to let go. Otherwise, you're being governed. By that person's sin. You're being dragged down. By that person. They're still harming you. If you hold on to the anger. And that's that's the great lesson. And that's that's why Christianity actually makes sense. It, it, it's the religion given us. By the, the person who made us. So he understands how we work. Uh, he has the instruction manual. And it's in Hebrew. But he can read Hebrew. And he's telling us how the mechanism works. So again, I think that's important from a theological point of view. People do not mistake reconciliation for forgiveness because then you will reject forgiveness or you will practice dumb reconciliation and you will be Charlie trying to kick the football over and over again and lucy pulls it away every time and you forgive her and make the same mistake
1: again this is important theology ladies and gentlemen uh, from john's Mirak on the eric Metaxas show we'll be right back let, you. let me tell you Hey there, folks. Today, we are partnering with Food for the Poor to provide urgently needed food to some of the most impoverished countries in our hemisphere. Because of interrupted planting cycles, rising food prices, and the lingering impact of COVID, the list of families unable to feed their children grows longer by the day. But you can make a difference in these families today. A meal-for-meal match means that your one-time gift of $144, that's the meal-for-meal match, your one-time gift of $144 provides a family of 4 with food for a year. That's two meals a day for the next year for a family who struggle to get even a handful of rice or enough corn for a tortilla. Knowing your gift will never have more impact than right now, would you rescue one family, three families or even 10 families by going to eric, going to metaxastalk.com and click on the red send food banner. You could text you can also uh, text the keyword eric to 91999. You'll get a link to make your life-saving gift. Text ERIC to 91999. Or to give your gift by phone, call the toll-free number 844-863-HOPE. 844-863-HOPE. 844 hope God bless you. Talking to John Zmirak on the Eric Metaxas show. John Zmirak, um, you were just talking about two columns that you wrote for stream, the stream, uh, .org, stream.org, org. They go hand in hand. So the right. first part we've just discussed, what is the
0: second part, part two? Part two, but they need to repent. Never Trump Christians and their leftist allies owe us apologies. Now, again, this is uses sort of Donald Trump as the figure, but it's not just about what the people did to Trump. It's what they said and did to his supporters. Because if he just stayed a real estate magnate, they wouldn't have bothered him. So it really wasn't about him. It was about his supporters. It was about the deplorables. It was about those of us who don't belong at the country club, except maybe as caddies. And like we're caddies at the country club who try to come drink in the bar. And it's their job to get us horrible redneck white trash out of the bar, get us out of politics, and get us back on the links carrying bags, which is what we're supposed to do. Um, What was said and done to Trump supporters over the past six years has been unspeakable. They accused us of wanting a dictatorship where we would imprison our political enemies. Actually, it turned out that's what the Democrats wanted. They, They accused us of being fascists but they're the ones who wanted the lockdown to lock down people in their homes and close their churches and make them lose their jobs and close their businesses. They accused us of wanting to control people's bodies. Uh, they're the ones who forced this dead baby vaccine into our veins at the threat of losing your jobs or being kicked out of the military. They, they accused us of. They accused us of being Russian collaborators. They accused Donald Trump of being. A, committing treason and colluding with, with Vladimir Putin to steal the 2016 election. They, they accused Brett Kavanaugh of running rape gangs in high school and Mark Judge of doing the same thing. They, they accuse Kyle Rittenhouse of first-degree murder. They, they accused the January 6th people of trying to destroy the Constitution. And in every case, it was the left And their never Trump allies who were doing those things. And people like Jonah Goldberg, David French, Rod Dreyer, Russell Moore, who claim to be conservatives, but they're such principled conservatives that they couldn't get down in the gutter with Donald Trump and his deplorable supporters. They were on board for almost all of these leftist attacks. They believed the attacks on Brett Kavanaugh, or at least they said, well, we have to take them really seriously. We can't dismiss this as perjury, which it was. They, they, they condemned Kyle Rittenhouse before they even knew the facts. In every case, they let the leftist narrative dominate, and they did their best to try to echo it in order to maintain respectability in the eyes of the mainstream media, in order to keep on the same side as the deep state and the big money and i think all those people who said we were violating our christian principles by siding with donald trump that we were violating conservatism we were not being real patriots they ended up being collaborators with the enemy they were like the french in 1940 who decided okay we can accept the germans we're going to we're going to do the germans bidding and that's that's what it that's what it means do you know that Charles de Gaulle was convicted of treason and sentenced to death in absentia by the Vichy government during World War II. But who were really the traitors? The Vichy government were the traitors. And that's why I call David French David Vichy French, because he reminds me of General Patin and, and Pierre Laval and all those like the French officer in Casablanca who's working for the Germans. I am shocked, shocked to see that gambling is going on in this institution. Uh, That's the Vichy French. It's basically a
1: It's It's a level of hyper pragmatism that is deeply cynical and deeply selfish that basically doesn't believe in the heroic, doesn't believe in doing the right thing. And I guess my question is whether any of these folks will see the error of their ways. How bad do things get? And I I don't know. I mean, I honestly, John, I'm 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 astonished to think how people in the evangelical Christian world, they they, they are they wanted to be part of the cultural elites. They want to be published in The New York Times. They want to be I I was their darling when I wrote Bonhoeffer and, and, you know, running Socrates in the city. There's something about that. We want to be respectable. I understand that there's a place for that. But at some point. You have to understand where you are and what is being asked of you. And the fact of the matter is that many of them sided with the agnostic, atheist, secular elites against, you know, the humble church people uh, who who believe in right and wrong and, and things like that. And so we've seen them. Christianity today has been taken over by that uh, a gang of folks. It's mind blowing to me that, 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 a a a magazine chuck colson used to write for it billy graham was one of the founders it's been taken over many churches in america when i say churches i'm talking about big evangelical churches saddleback church uh, has a new pastor who the other day blathered on this is a huge church that was led by rick warren for decades blathered on about diversity and then said the bible says 10 times more about greed than it does about homosexuality and i thought these people are following the culture they're taking their cues from the culture they are not leading bravely and heroically with the truth of the bible uh we're talking to john smirak at least i thought we were we'll be right back and i will let him get a word in edgewise stick around for that Hey, folks, I'm talking to John Zmirak.
0: John, um... yeah, you were talking about evangelical churches selling out. Look, I'm Catholic. The Vatican issued a coin celebrating the dead baby vaccine being given to children who don't even need it and cannot benefit from it. Uh, Our bishops told priests they couldn't write letters of conscience for Catholics who didn't want to take the dead baby vaccine. So I know about whoring after strange gods. Uh, In my article at stream.org, I I talk about these people nosing mammon for milk bones and fetching Caesar's slippers. They are they are acting like fawning pet dogs to whoever has the power. And, And I think that urge to be respectable, that urge to be part of the establishment is incredibly unhealthy right now. It was unhealthy in 1943 in Paris when the Nazis controlled the place to want to be in respectable society, to want to be invited to the German embassy, to parties. That's how we have to see it. The enemy is in control, and the price of getting invited to those parties is that you accept the mutilation of children, the abortion of babies, the suspension of the Constitution, the theft of elections, the censorship of the media, the FBI targeting pro-lifers and sending SWAT teams to their homes, the the Department of Justice calling moms who go to school board meetings to, conde- to criticize Marxist critical race theory, labeling such moms as domestic extremists and terrorists. The enemy, the institutions controlled by the enemy, are totalitarians, and you can't play footsie with them. You're better off. Putting on overalls and, and watching hee-haw than you are trying to get in with those people because you're gonna have to sell your birthright and that mess of pottage ain't that tasty.
1: You know, John, it's interesting. It makes me think of people. There there are a lot of people, I I know this, okay. Um, and I wrote about it a little bit in my book, Letter to the American Church. They're thinking, you know what? Uh, I'm gonna keep my mouth shut on certain hot button topics. I don't wanna get canceled. Right. Th- that's their pragmatic thinking. And and look, there is a place for pragmatic thinking. But if you understand where you are, you have to say, is my silence on those issues making it harder for everyone else? Is what I am doing uh, harming the nation, harming others? Am I thinking selfishly? So let's say somebody says, you know what? I don't want the FBI to come here and raid my offices. Uh, So let's let's not write an article about that or let's not talk about that on the program. That's what people at Fox News are doing. They're all they're being pragmatic. Instead, they ought to be saying, you know what? It's not that I don't want the FBI to knock down my door. Uh, It's that I don't want to live in a country where I have to be careful what I say. Right. And anything I can do to help live in a country where we are free to say what we're free to say, even if it invites uh, the scrutiny from the FBI or whatever. I better do that. But people are thinking more of themselves. Uh, corporations and certain leaders are thinking, well, we don't want to get canceled. And they're not even being, long.
0: They're not even being smart in the long run. Remember that poem by, by Niemöller? First, they came for the socialists and I said nothing because I was not a socialist. Apply that to January sixth. Apply that to people who won't take the vaccine. Apply that to Kyle Rittenhouse. You know I purposely when I see something like that, like them going after Kyle Rittenhouse, I was like the first or the second person to defend him, and likewise with Mark judge and Brett kavanaugh and and Nick Sandman. I want to be the first guy there defending the scapegoat against the mob. And I, wa- I hope that uh, courage is contagious. And I hope to be a super spreader of courage. And I, I, even at Yale, when I was writing pro-life editorials and editorials against the gay agenda at the Yale Daily News, I wasn't convincing the liberals, but I was giving courage to the quiet conservatives on campus. And they would come up sometimes when nobody was looking and thank me. But they made sure nobody was looking first. And that told me what I'm doing is important. I want to be the guy that that makes a 100 other people say, well, you know what? You can say that. I mean, he's not in jail. He's not in prison. He's still alive. That's it, John. That is exactly correct.
1: And in retrospect, all these books I've written about heroes, my book, Seven Men, Seven Women, you realize that when a person does the right thing, it cannot fail to inspire others. Uh, I've obviously tried to do that. You have been at the forefront of doing that. Naomi Wolf uh, is doing that. There are figures out there. We have a voice. And the, the issue, though, is that everyone has a voice. Every one of you has a voice in a community. Um, And if you do the right thing, by the way, first of all, let's be clear. It's God's will that you do the right thing. This is not like, hey, you know, do I like chocolate or vanilla? One is serving the devil, whether you want to know it or not. I'm here to tell you that silence in the face of evil really is evil. If you don't speak up uh, and risk uh, people coming after you at a certain point you're going along. You're being so pragmatic. You're so worried about yourself. You're letting everyone else go to hell. And that's not God's will. And I just want to be very clear. That's where we are in America right now. And that's why, John, you've been such an encouragement to me. There have been folks like Sean Foyt out there. There are people uh, who are very bold and they give others confidence. But I really do believe that's everybody's job to do that a little bit. And when you don't, folks... When you don't, when you say, you know what, I'm going to look the other way. I don't want to get in trouble. You are helping the evil to happen. That's why I wrote the book letter to the American church. Christian leaders in particular have been very guilty of this. And I believe some of them can get the memo and can repent and can be part of the solution. But if you don't, it's it's not going to go well for you or for anyone in the long run. You're making a very foolish decision long term, which is what John just said.
0: If I could just speak pragmatically, this is not the time to sell your soul. The market is glutted. You will get pennies on the dollar. I mean, it, but isn't that isn't that what we're talking
1: about here? It's amazing.
0: Hold out till the price goes up.
1: It's <laughs> I don't know if the price is going up. Albin, I think we're done here uh, for the day. Uh, so, John, I don't know if there's any final comments. We've got about 20 seconds. Sorry.
0: Oh, I'll just ask people to pray for peace and pray for courage in a very strange and disturbing time in our country's history. Well,
1: that about, that about says it, John, we're just really grateful for you. Thank you, my thank friend, you. folks, go yeah. to stream.org, read everything John writes, print it out, share it. Uh, and again, wouldn't thank you.
2: Anyway, it wouldn't be true. for you my sky would fall rain He took New York and Carolina kept-